Hi everyone and welcome to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm your host Dan, I'm here with my father David Jackson. We both have Red Noses Dad, it's Red Nose Day here in Australia at the moment uh, and Red Nose Day is all about uh, starting infant death syndrome and raising awareness about that, which is very suitable Dad for what we're talking about today. Today we're going to be looking at infant salvation, uh, if it's possible, are infants saved, how do they get saved, all that kind of stuff Dad. So why don't you kick us off? Let's go back to some, you know, very traditional kind of approaches. Uh, let's start with something like the, the Westminster Confession of Faith you've got in front of us. What does it say about yeah, well, the salvation of people and children start, and whatever else? It's let's start a lot with the to good talk news. About. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Let's start with the good news. Um, we are dealing with a God of grace, a God who is in charge of salvation. So the Westminster Confession of Faith, I think, is the best statement on what happens to children who die. And it simply says, so if you want to look it up, it's Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 10, uh, paragraph 3. And it says this, elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated, that means they're born again, and they're saved by Christ through the Spirit who works when, where, and how he pleases. So also are all other elect persons who are un- incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the word. So what it's saying is we have the responsibility of preaching the gospel, but there's a whole bunch of people, infants, people without language, people with uh, uh, intellectual disability, whatever, um, who are incapable of accessing the word of God through language. Therefore, what happens to them if they die and we can't communicate the gospel to them. Yeah, it's also too they can't communicate where they're at with us. And that's the other side of them. the story. Yeah. So uh, we have, uh, and, and sometimes we make assumptions about that. I'll tell you a story about that later. But what this is saying is salvation is a work of God. He is sovereign in saving his people. Uh, before the foundation of the word world, he planned the story. And into that story, he wrote people who would be saved and people who would not. And that's a sovereign decision of God, and he alone has the right to make that choice. Now, that's what the Bible teaches. Um, Unfortunately, when we're hit with some of these very emotional and challenging situations, um, we don't want to go back to the Bible. (laughs) We want to make reality do what we want it to do, Uh, And so we start to come up with reasons for why we think God should do what we want. And the end result, as we're going to see, is that you spend the rest of your life obsessing about this because you've got to make it work rather than leaving it with God, uh, who has it all under control anyway. So if it's about us being in control of the salvation of children then we're going to spend the rest of our life working on it. If God is in charge, then we humbly allow ourselves to be ignorant of what his decisions are. We leave it with him, but knowing him, we leave it with him in peace. Um, And that's a really important thing. Yeah, because, I mean, the Westminster Confession here just talks about elect infants. It doesn't really give you a definition of that, except that they're the ones who receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, And... Uh, chosen by God, which is, you know, just kind of your definition of elect people in general. Uh, so 
there are definitely people around who are going to try and add a definition to, you know, these children are elect infants yeah. and these ones are not elect infants. Uh, normally it's based on the faith of their parents uh, or, that are around. We'll talk about that next week. Okay, sweet. <laughs> but, but here's our problem, um, and I'll, I'll go back to an actual experience. This is, I mean, we've all, we all know we've experienced miscarriages and stillbirths and so forth. Yep. Um, many years ago, uh, one of the members of our church rang to say that uh, she was nine months pregnant, she was in hospital, uh, they'd just been doing the ultrasoundy things and they'd discovered that the baby had died in the womb. And so we had this very sad scenario where the baby is born uh, and then a week later I was called on to take the funeral. Hmm. And so you sit down with a you know a mixed crowd around the funeral of a little baby and you have to think about what what's the gospel say to this? Where is our comfort? Where is our hope? Now, on that occasion, I searched the scriptures. These were people we knew and loved. Um, it impacted the whole church. What do you say? What does God have to say to this? I found the answer in John 11. Um, and in John 11, you have this amazing scene where Jesus gets a messenger that says, you know, your friend Lazarus has died. So, And you expect Jesus to come dashing over and heal him and it's all done. Not, not he's died, he's sick. So Jesus doesn't come. He waits till Lazarus is dead. He waits till Lazarus has been dead. Three days. Three days, <clears throat> which is how long it would have might have taken him to wander over, I don't know. Uh, but he gets there and everybody's bawling and they're saying, oh, if only you'd been here, he wouldn't have died and all the rest of it. So then you have Jesus standing in front of the tomb and you, I mean, if I had the power to raise the guy from the dead, it'd be, let's go down to the tomb, get that stone out, out you come. Mm. Instead of that, Jesus stands in front of the tomb and we get these three amazing statements. The first is, I mean, the English version say he was troubled. Yeah. Yeah, English is always good at translating Greek. Yeah. He was, <laughs> or no, he was deeply moved is the phrase, right? Well, the, the Greek word for deeply moved is the snorting of a war horse before it charges. Um, it's a word that means you're raging inside. It's an angry word. Yeah, actually, when I, I did a project on this chapter, right. uh, and I remember when I was trying to describe to in the article what that word meant, I, I had the vision of a, of a cartoon character. But, you know, you watch them get angry and their face goes all red and smoke blows out their ears. That's right. <laughs> and it's that kind of imagery that it's, you're thinking of when, you're, when he's, you know. Yeah. And the next word that is, describes Jesus' emotion is that he's boiling. It's the word for boiling water. So I'm looking at this in the English version. says he was deeply moved. He was troubled. He mm. wept. And what you have is he's raging angry. He's boiling and he's bawling. Um, and you go, in two minutes you're going to raise him from the dead. What's going on here? <laughs> Uh, and the answer is death. This is the God who has taken flesh to defeat death. And when he faces the death of a friend, death is obscene. It's not natural. It's a mm. violation of the image of God. It's the ultimate vandalism of the image of God. It is so offensive to God, and he's raging, ready to go in there and punch death in the head, uh, which he does. He defeats death. But this is the guy, this is the God who will decide what happens 
to this baby. He is the one who is sovereign over death, who is sovereign over life. The Lord gave, the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's our response when we lose a child. And that's a fearful thing, but it's a great comfort because I don't know whether this child is elect or not elect. That's entirely God's right. I have no say in that. But this is the God in whose hands I am leaving that child. Hmm. He is the one who died in my place. He is the one who created. He decides I'm happy to leave it with him. And he is our comfort, not knowing the outcome. So this is an exercise of trusting God that is probably one of the most challenging where we've got to humbly say, I'm not in control of this. Hmm. God is. And just let God be God. So, but we're not like, that's not what we're like. We, we want to control everything. Um, and we want to know the things. So there's a beautiful verse in Deuteronomy 29, 29, which says, the revealed things belong to us and our children. That's the scriptures. That's God's plan of salvation. Yeah. But the secret things belong to God. And then none of our business. Um, Job learned that lesson when God sat, sat, sat him down and for five chapters said, and who do you think you are asking me all these questions? <laughs> yeah. Even though you're in the right, you're totally right, but you know, you're know you still something I create. But you don't sit in judgment on me. You don't call me into court. You know. Mm. Uh, and Job said, well, actually, I didn't call you into court. I just want to know. <laughs> well, you're not going to know. It's none of your business. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a comfort. And that's how Job finishes up. I'm comforted on my dust and ashes. And that's where we've got to be. Yeah. Which is not where everyone's been in history. No. Uh, you've got on here on my notes that I've got to raise here for you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of really classic examples. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's go with Spurgeon first. Spurgeon says that all infants who die are elect and saved. Uh, so That's the book. <laughs> <laughs> so Spurgeon's very famous. Uh, preacher, really? Uh, he's, he's amazing. From, I don't remember what century he was in, 18? Uh, the sermon was preached. You can read that. I can't remember. Uh, 1861. There you go. There I did go. It right. 1861. And so he preached a, a sermon on infant salvation in 1861. He was a great preacher. You know, 5,000 people in the congregation in London during the sort of Dickens London era. Yeah. Um, a great advocate for orphans and widows and off all sorts of good good work. Brilliant preacher, but he got this wrong. Um, and he got this wrong because he's, in this sermon he says, all infants dying in infancy are saved. And the basis on which he would give that comfort to parents is that he believed that all infants dying in infancy were elect. So unlike some people... They, he claimed they're saved on the same basis anybody else is. Jesus died in their place. The Holy Spirit, they are elect. The Holy Spirit has regenerated them and therefore they're saved. But the, the gap in what's going on here is Spurgeon claimed to know that all infants dying in infancy are among the elect. And nowhere in the Bible has God told us that. Yeah. So we don't know who the elect are and who is and who isn't. He claimed to know, but there's no basis for that. And when you read on in his sermon, 
<clears throat> it's a bit sad, but his argument basically is a good God wouldn't hurt a child. Yeah, but I can see plenty of examples in the Bible, Dad, where God, in his judgment on Israel, has definitely hurt lots of children uh, using Assyria or Babylon. And, you know, if you read, what is it, Psalm 136? 137. 37? Yep. Uh, where, you know, they're singing about revenge coming on Babylon and may someone grab their children and smack their heads against rocks. Yep. And they're saying that because it happened to them and that was part of God's judgment where God's using Babylon to... Yeah, they went after other gods and those other gods sacrificed children to, you know, killed their children because they got in the way of them making money. Yeah. Something that might ring true with our culture. Um, yeah. And, you know, God is saying, if this is what you want, I'm handing you over to them in judgment, and that affects infants and babies and children and women. I mean, when we tell God to go jump off the planet, we want to recreate reality and do it our own way. Who suffers most? Children and women, Yeah. in my observation. Um, they are the most vulnerable uh, and they're the most abused. Um, and I'm not minimising what happens to the men because they, they go out and slaughter each other. But, you know, we all know that when you look at war and you look at what's going on in the world, you see the men fight it out and you go, yeah, well, you're a bunch of buffheads. You know, men are all whatever they are. But, you know, to hurt women and children, that's a big deal. And that's not how God operates. Every individual person is an image of God in their own right and their own dignity. And if you see Jesus being angered by death, you understand something of the horror of God at the way we treat each other and the way we treat God. And the judgment on that falls on the whole of humanity, regardless of age. So if you go through the Old Testament, um, you look at the firstborn of Egypt dying, you look at Jericho, everybody's wiped out. Um, and you can't, Spurgeon's argument that, you know, God sees little children as cute and innocent, that's not going to work. Um, the Bible won't support that argument. So, again, we go back to, I don't know who God's elect are. I don't know who he chooses to save. I just have to trust him that that's his call. Um, so that's Spurgeon's decision, and it's widely believed and widely assumed because that's what we want to be true. Hmm. Uh, and I think every time we look at the Bible and say, this is what I want to be true, can I find a Bible verse to back me up? <laughs> then we need to know that we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, That's the wrong way. That's cart before the horse. Yeah, we need to be working through our texts and then come out with conclusions. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Dad, so Spurgeon got things wrong. Uh, the Arminians are going to follow suit a bit here. Uh, you've got here Ron Buckland as another example oh. uh, with a quote that you have from him about all children beginning with God and therefore they're all going to go back to God. And uh, it's very much quite similar to what Spurgeon says, really, where they're all saved and it's all okay. Well... Ron Buckland, I came across Ron back in the 80s. We were invited to go on beach mission uh, and do the adult ministry. Uh, wasn't exactly, I don't know, I found that a bit difficult. Um, but it took us down to beach mission and, you know, children's special service mission was run by the Scripture Union. They still run beach missions. It's still a good thing and it, it's done an amazing amount of good. 
But this particular few years, Ron Buckland was the head of Scripture Union. He was in charge of Beach Mission and Children's Ministry. And so all the Beach Mission leaders, and I was like a chaplain to the Beach Mission team, we went along to this big conference that he ran. And I, I was stunned because at the end of his speech, at the beginning of his speech, his main point was um, our mission to children is not to call on them to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going, what? Our mission to children is to persuade them not to say no to Jesus as they get older. So there's a presumption that they've all said yes already then. So we have this quote from uh, Mr Buckland that says, uh, I think I wrote it down on here somewhere so I wouldn't forget it, all children begin with God. So in a sense he's denied the whole concept of original sin. Um, What he's saying is children don't become sinners till they reach an age of consent where they can choose to sin until then, they're neutral, innocent. They just start off with God, and somewhere along the way they get to choose. And until they've chosen, they're all saved. Uh, well, that flies in the face of so much of the Bible. Yep. Um, now, he belongs to a particular theology that's known as Arminianism. Uh, what that means is that God doesn't choose people until after they choose. Yeah, right. So we're in control. We make the choice. And when we've made the choice, God says, okay, I'll put you on the list. Hmm. Whereas the Bible says that list was written before the foundation of the earth. Ephesians chapter 1. Yep, (laughs) that's right. So here we are. Um, We're in control. We make the decisions. And the neutral position is you're saved until you unsave yourself. Um, Well, that... The whole Bible just flies in the face of that. Yeah, try reading Romans with that stance. Yeah, it doesn't work. But it puts (laughs) us in a, it puts us in an emotional place, and and the way we raise children completely changes, Hmm. because it depends on me to get those children saved, and it depends on the child to save themselves. Sounds a lot like works to me. (laughs) Yeah, it, it makes, it makes saving faith a good work that God rewards rather than something God gives us as a gift because Jesus died in our place and because of his grace, unmerited, unearned. So it just turns everything on its head. But it also means if my children's salvation depends on me... Yeah, that's not a good position to be in, really. I can't do that. Yeah. I, I... I'm being taking responsibility for something I don't have the power to do, and that's a bondage. That's a that's a grief. And so, if your children don't come to Christ, it's your fault. Uh, and I mean, no parent is perfect, but this is not something God holds us responsible for. Mm. Um, you know, we nurture them, we give them the we give them the informed choice. But that's the ultimate decision is God's. It's not even their decision. It's God's decision. So, yeah, that's a terrible thing to put on. Okay. So we've got, they're not all saved. Well, at least we don't know that they're all. (laughs) We don't know. At the very least, we don't know. Uh, 
the Bible is clear that people are chosen and elect from before the foundation of the world. That's in the Bible quite a lot of the time. It's yep. funny when people talk about, you know, do you believe in predestination or not? And I just think it's it's such a clear thing in the Bible that we are all predestined. Like you know, those of us who are saved are all predestined, chosen before the foundation of the world, all that kind of stuff. It's very clear in the Bible, the idea of predestination. Uh, our problem is our ability to accept that it's predestination. That God has the right to do that to me. Yeah. You know, or well, God is my equal. He has no right to yeah. make that and choice. And so here it's choice. not just to me, it's also to my child, to everyone. That's right. uh, and it doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're yet to be born or whether they're yeah. you know, just, 127. You just remember first day of preschool or kindergarten. <laughs> um, I'm a with school teacher, so and I used to do the enrolments for kindergarten and it was it was it was fun. It was sort of sad, but it's fun to watch the mothers hand the child over to the school and and the teachers are saying, go home, all right? Don't hang around looking in the window for the rest of the yeah. day to see that your little darling's all right. You are letting go of your control of this child for the next six hours and the children are all dancing into Sunday school. This is all exciting and the mothers are all out there going, Whoa can I do this? And you think, well, that's just handing it up to the school, handing it over to God. Mm. For eternity, that's a much bigger thing that we have to learn to do. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dad, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's been great to chat about infant salvation. We are going to talk about the children of the elect in our next episode. Or well, the from children what you said. of Children of believers. Yeah. Well, not sure whether they're even elect. <laughs> say you're a believer, then you know yeah. we, we you can't hope. believe without receiving the spirit. Isn't that? <laughs> yeah. We hope the profession of faith is true. <laughs> yeah. sure. Okay. So we're going to talk about the children of people who, from a human perspective, look like they're saved. <laughs> yeah. Tell us they are. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that next week. So please come back and join us next week as we do that. Uh, if you would like to ask us a question or anything related to the theology of the child to this episode to what we're going to chat about in our next ones, please head over to trainforliferedeem.com slash 116, uh, the number of this episode, and you can ask questions there. There'll be a form. And uh, if you want to go and have a look at rednose.org.au, yeah. um, there's an exciting story there about the research that has brought sudden infant death syndrome down 80%, and that that's something to thank God for. So get on to that too, and we will see you next week. Look forward. <laughs>